welcome one and all again to I Want to Believe Radio, the I Want to Believe Radio show. I'm your host, Dan Hallroyd, and with me tonight and today or this morning, whenever you're listening, is Elmer Boster. Uh, Bob uh, Penny could not be with us. He's a uh, you know, registered nurse. This guy is working hard. Elmer does too. Elmer's actually in his vehicle driving home from work uh, as he's here to co-host with us on tonight's, today's, this morning's program, again, whenever you're listening uh, to your convenience. And we're, we're, we're happy. We've got a, a great guest. Uh, and I just uh, watched a, a, a video uh, interview with this uh, gentleman, and I was just really, my mind was kind of blown. I, I've, I've heard some things that are similar, but he puts it all in perspective, touches it. And what I loved the most, folks, and you, you will hear, is that this gentleman can explain it to you in, in layman terms so that we can all understand it. That's the thing I love because when I tune into some shows, and I'm not saying I'm dumb, folks. I, I went to college, but I didn't take anything that was in science or math. I, you know, I, okay, I got to admit, I was a liberal arts degree guy, so I wanted to be a cartoonist. And you know what I did with that? Nothing. <laughs> so <laughs> I ended up uh, roundabout years later going into law enforcement and corporate security is what I did and what I retired from. But uh, and if I butcher your name, uh, Mark, uh, please be by all means correct me. But it's, it's Mark Fiorentino. Yeah, Fiorentino. That's very good. Oh, oh I tried because mine's <laughs> Hallroyd and people butcher that, too. But uh, we've got Mark with us. Uh, He's going to share his views on how the universe really works based on his study and research of Einstein's unified field theory. He will discuss how the applications of Einstein's theory can be used to travel through space, renewable energy, and future technology. He will also talk about the connection to conspiracy theories, including UFOs, one of our favorite programs that I want to believe, you know, or excuse me, not programs, one of our favorite things to look into. Uh, on this program and alien technology uh, that they use, as well as other controversial topics such as near-death experience, which Mark kind of talked a little bit about before we went on, uh, revelations that are linked to the theory and super relativity. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate being on the show today. I appreciate you, and I appreciate uh, you know folks like yourself who take time out of their day to set aside for us to come over here and kind of question you, uh, grill you somewhat, but uh, we don't really grill anybody. We, we just let you have the floor, tell your story. And I always like to start out by uh, having, you know, the guest tells everybody out here, because uh, we're going to have new audience members for you, uh, a little bit about yourself and how you got interested uh, in, in this type of uh, science and math. Sure. Well, it, it started when I was 10 years old and going to catechism and the, the nuns asked us all the little children to go home and find somebody born a saint born on your birthday and there was no uh, internet in 1965 so all i could do was go home and ask my parents uh, and eventually uh, i went to the calendar that was hanging in the kitchen and looked at my birthday march 14th and found out that albert einstein was also born on that that day Great minds. Not knowing who he was, I went to the Encyclopedia Britannica uh, in the living room and I read about Albert Einstein and was amazed by his story. And at that same time, I stumbled upon the unified field theory, which was so interesting to me. And, And as I read about it, it made sense to me. And I said, this is the most 
important and sensible idea I've ever heard. And that started me on a great interest, a lifelong interest in science. Eventually, I went in depth with going into physics. So I'm self-taught, more of a philosopher, a metaphysician uh, who studies the nature of things, wanted to know how things worked. You know, as a kid, I was always tearing my toys apart to see how they work, especially the electronic ones, which weren't many in those days, but I ripped them apart. <laughs> and, they, and they were much more simplified back in the day, too. I, I did the same thing, yeah. yeah. It was electric cars, and then later on, you know, transistor radios. I, I messed with all that stuff. Finally got into electronics, which was right. a real love of my life so far as a career was concerned. And, and so that's basically how I got interested in science, which eventually led into interest in UFOs and anti-gravity. I was very interested when I would read about UFOs. I was always reading every detail I could get and anything anybody came back with, with an explanation of what they experienced when they were close to the UFO. So I could try and understand how anti-gravity worked because I figured, whoever figured that out, knows how the unified field theory works. And um, so that's my basic, my very basic story about how I got interested into science and Albert Einstein, who I've read about for many years, right. studied and um, I just love the guy. <laughs> he's, he's my hero. I think one of the part of your story uh, that you had already touched on as you began was the Britannica series. That was a household thing in my home when I was younger too. And I was fascinated. I would sit for hours and we used to get newer versions of that every couple Mm. of years. My mother felt that was important for us boys. And I actually gathered, I don't want to put the school system down, but I actually gathered more information and learned more about certain things than I did from class and from school. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Great. It's a a great, it's a great encyclopedia. Right. Right. Um, so there you're off and running, and so what's the next? What's the next turn in the story? What? Where's this go from here? How did you? Well, um, okay, so you know, I, I just had a. It became a hobby, a very you know, I was interested in something inside me, psychologically deep down in there, just had this interest in how things work, and I kept on it. You know, I, I you know, I can't really explain it other than maybe because i believe of course in reincarnation and 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 so forth that there was something instilled in me before i was born that would help lead me maybe the spirit guides i'm sure also you know put some ideas into my head that got steered me in the right direction so the next thing the crucial thing that happened that made me think something in the future was going to happen that was big and important uh, was I decided when I was around 20, I was going to classes at community college, local community college. Professor talked about Casadega. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that place. It's in Florida. I have, yep. It's a spiritualist capital of North America, and it's yep. loaded with psychic mediums. And uh, we, I decided I was going to go there, so I, I gathered up some of my buddies and we took a little weekend holiday. We went to uh, Casadega, which is about halfway to to Daytona Beach. 
And so we stopped off there to get some readings. And it was an October day. I remember that. I remember the song coming on the radio by James Taylor. And it had kind of a spooky intro. It said, like, distant hands and foreign lands are turning hidden wheels, causing things to come about that no one seems to feel. All invisible from where we stand, yet the connections come to pass. And all too hard to comprehend, they affect us nonetheless. I remember hearing that and getting chills up my spine, thinking, hmm, that's an interesting song to be playing today as we go to see the psychics. Yeah. So we pulled into town. It was a very blustery, windy day. And <laughs> there was two carloads. There was me and then the, and, and Duff. And then there was another carload uh, with more of the football-type guys. And uh, as we were parked under this tree, it was windy and blowing, and a big branch fell off and hit their car. So they got spooked and said, we're going to go ahead and go to Daytona. We're not interested in any of this. So it was just me and Duff. So we went, walked around this neighborhood in this very spooky little town, yep. and we tried a couple of places, and nobody came to the door until we came upon this one lady. Her name was uh, Martha McKay. And uh, very sweet quaint little house <laughs> just like you would think the you know the, the kind of the mystical old lady medium and right. the, the classical look and feel and we went in there and i went first and i had a very what i would consider a very normal reading she told me about my future wife and my children and that all came to pass she told me about the career i was going to have i was in an not in anything really, but media technology. But what she was describing was electronics. But what she saw I, didn't happen to me until many years later. And the day I saw it, I, I recognized her description where she saw, here's inside of this thing with many wires and there's screens and wires all around you. I don't know what it is, but I, I actually had that happen many years later when I constructed my own test rigs and IBM, and I had computers literally surrounding all the way around me with wires hanging down. So it was two layers of two tiers of computers around eight computers all together. I can only imagine the amount of EMF that you were getting bombarded with. <laughs> yeah. Sitting in the middle it was of a lot, that, you know, I was testing memory and testing other boards. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of, lot of stuff going on there Jeez. and uh, a lot of test equipment. And I, when I saw that, I said, oh, this is what she was taught. This is what she saw. And her time, in that time, electronics really was just getting started. So she didn't really see, understand what she was seeing. Right, right. So that came to pass. Um, and, and it was a normal reading. Uh, and then the other guy went in. He had a you know, normal reading. We learned about our spirit guides and so forth. And what, what interesting that happened after that, on the way to Daytona, after we left, we were just relaying our experiences to each other. Then he says to me, hey, Mark, that's really interesting what she said about you. And I says, what are you talking about? I, I, you know, I, I don't know of anything really unusual that happened in my reading. Yeah, she said, man. Someday you're going to discover something or write a book or something. And I, I don't remember the exact words, but the words famous was <laughs> was in there. And that got my attention. Right. So from that point on, it was in the back of my head. Something something was coming someday. I didn't know when, 
But after that, I had, as the years went by, you know, working at the college, I, there's psychics that came and talked, and then they relayed, relayed some information to me. It was always kind of hinting at this something in the future. Uh, so I have multiple accounts from multiple psychics, some of them world famous, like Ann Gaiman, who uh, yeah, no, reaffirmed no. what the first psychic was saying, but none of them would tell me any specifics. So I had no idea what I was going to invent or discover. I just just went with it. They would tell me, it's, you're not ready yet. It's You don't have everything you need. These are some of the things they said along the way. And so my life just went by like normal. I I, I worked at uh, IBM and ImageSoft and uh, the hospital here and IT department, and various things along the way, not really worrying about it, trying every once in a while to invent something. Right. But um, nothing ever really worked out. And after a while, I kind of <laughs> started to give up. Then I retired. And I says, you know what? I got all these ideas about this this idea for a book, you know, the theory of super relativity, this thing that I've been working on. I think I got enough to write uh, write a book, and that's what I did. So the first day when I retired, I started writing the book. Four years later, I finished. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was a hell of an effort because there was a lot of research involved. Right. And um, that's how I, I, you know, that's the basic whole story. There's a lot of interesting details that I could fill up two hours with, but I don't know that we want to go into that much detail. That's going to be in the in the next book. All this yeah, story and, and leading up to this. Out, we'll have you back on the show, and then we'll get yeah, it yeah. You, you're going to want to hear that because it fits right into to go back all to the, the technology. Psychic, right to go back to the psychic thing just for a second. You know, I would tell everybody too with my you know, I don't want to say run-ins because I I don't think that's a proper way to kind of phrase it, but. My experience with many, because working in the ghost field, you know, spirit field that I do, being a paranormal investigator, um, it took me a long time to find people who had the real gift, because there are a lot of people who will claim and say things, and I think some people want it so badly, but the positive part that I'm going for here is that when I found the people that had the real gift, and you you can tell, like you said, you can tell, um, people often mistake the fact that they figure, well, the psyche is going to tell you everything in detail, um, which is not usually how this goes, um, because I'm sensitive myself. Uh, it took me years to come out in the open, but I, I will not say I'm psychic. But there's been there's been times things have happened, and I've been I've picked up off people, and I've known things I shouldn't know because I get little strange details. And I know for uh, many of the psychics uh, that I've come to trust and know. Um, that's how it was for them. It's like putting the pieces to the puzzle. You will see some things that mean something, but you don't get the whole story. You don't get everything in great detail. And sometimes we're confused and they're confused by the message. So I just right. wanted to make that clear because yeah. you, you said it great, you know, eloquently uh, without really going into detail. And, and I want to remind new people listening to the program that if that's what you think a psychic is, then you need to explore that a little deeper because if there's somebody out there telling you, everything 100%, I would be very, very suspicious uh, as to what's going on there. But there's some good people, and you, you drop some good names, uh, names I've heard before, you know, out here. It's like this thing in, in the circle of the field. You know, there's names that still float around and resonate with people, and when you say a few of them, some of them ring a bell for me. But uh, I find it extraordinary, too, that you're 
so open and willing to, you know, tell people that, you know, along with science, there's obviously some sort of um, intelligence that's behind all this design, you know, in the universe. And that's part of what I heard you say on another program that I, I fell in love with you over. I mean, in a nice, in a nice way, uh, you know, uh, because I, I only come across very few people that have heard on other programs who are physicists, you know, physicists, uh, who will believe the way that you do. Um, we are friends with a guy by the name of Michael Lynch who comes on our program and he's a physicist and Michael's a great guy and he believes a lot like you do. You know, he's like, Hey, there's, there's spiritual and, and super normal things that are a part of this. We need to stop, you know, the science community has got to stop separating <laughs> because right. how do you think we got all this stuff? It does. We didn't, you know, like with math, Mark, tell me if this makes sense. I give this lecture to people. I tell people, it's like, well, you know, we invented math and people look at me and I have a friend who's a scientist and an engineer in my group. And he wanted to debate me on that. When I told him that I said, well, it's true because we didn't go to some place and move the grass and there was a rock and there was a book that said math. And now we, Hey, look what we got. We, we, we discovered this, we, you know, through our interpretation of things. And, you know, if you want to say we invented it, we did, we created math, we created physics. I mean, all it be that it was handed down to us from above, you know, that's, that's the question, but I don't know if I'm making any damn sense because I, yeah. I try to tell people, it's like, you know, you guys come to an end of a wall with certain mathematics and certain things, aspects of physics, which is, which is, I'll shut up here in a second. I promise. I'm trying to make a point um, that you, we're, we're here. We're this, we're, we're folks. You can't see me doing this on, on the show, <laughs> but um, we're minuscule in this universe as far as our understanding goes. And to say that we've explained sure. it all or because of the collider and everything else that we've hit this wall, it, it, it keeps putting out the same thing. There's no further to go. Why do we keep going further? I, I don't buy that. I think that's nonsense. And we may find out that everything that we've created or that we thought was what was you know supposed to be your normal, as far as our perception, we could have it all wrong, you know, or we mm-hmm. just have a different variant. So I didn't mean to get way off track this early in the show. I just wanted to let you know where my mind works because I keep up with you and I'm, I'm about that. Okay. Did it make any sense there, Mark? Yeah. Uh, I agree with some of the things. Um, uh, the only thing I, I might question a little bit is the collider thing. I, uh, when you get into my book, one of the big problems I discovered in science and in physics is quantum mechanics. Right. It has a great deal of utility and it's it's mathematics is very good if you want to use a collider and smack things together and then predict right. what kind of particles you can get. Right. It's not there's nothing better out there for doing that. Right. But what I get into in my book is basically I side with Einstein on the whole quantum mechanics thing and he said it was an incomplete theory. And it, and it is, and it's eventually going to be proven so. Despite all its successes with predicting of a particle behavior, it really only uses probabilities. And as far as I know, there's not a force of probability. Things don't happen because of probabilities. Probabilities happen because of uh, interactions and cause and effect. Correct. The problem is with science of this world of this time is those interactions are so 
complex and, and so chaotic at the at the microscopic level, it's hard to use classical physics to predict anything uh, specifically. But the same problem with quantum mechanics, all it does is average out things over millions of measurements. Yep. And so my point is here in these, these discussions that I'm having, like you say, I'm trying to demonstrate for everybody that science comes from God. It isn't, this universe is without a doubt an intelligent design. And that's why I studied NDEs. Because if you want to know how something works, you should go to the creator of that something and ask them. Ask them, right, right. That's what I always did in troubleshooting at IBM and ImageSoft. If something broke, I went to the designer and asked them, well, now how is this supposed to work? And why is this like this? And you get good explanations and then you understand the problem. Correct. So. That's why I, I I don't have any problem with psychics, mediums. Uh, I don't have any problem with the belief in the afterlife. I've seen so many things. I've had so many personal experiences that I know for sure, without a doubt, there is an afterlife and a God. And in many of these NDEs, that God has explained to the people to come back and tell us that he is the creator of the universe in all right. the laws of physics. Like, uh, uh, for example, Father Rick Wendell, I have a video of him, a link pointing on my site and my blog, and he says it very beautifully. He says, all of this three-dimensional world is within God. There is nothing outside of God. Everything within this physical universe has to correspond to laws, and God set those laws. They are immutable as God is immutable. None of this, what we see and experience, is an accident. It is intentioned by God. And in my book, I say those almost exact same words. Like, this happens by the power of intention. That's how he, he makes, and I say he, I mean, it's a universal omni-being of, you know, yeah. uh, it's convenient for us to say he, but, you know, not to offend anybody. It's a, a he, a she, a it, a them. It's something not it's, it's a universal being of, of great love and and power beyond anything we could possibly imagine here right. and um and he's telling you he's telling people not just father rick wendell but many others come back with the basic same story it's time that we recognize this pattern and accept it because we accept that we have a creator and we you know start to work with the creator to understand things, we will have more and more breakthroughs. That's what I've done. And, you know, it would help, be helpful for physicists to come around. Because the only other alternative is a universe that just emerges from nothing. Yeah, yeah. And, and, it's not, and by accident, I'm so tired. I, I was, from the how does something I, view, I was tired of hearing that. It's like, no. And yeah. where, where I'm at personally, Mark, I'm with you on that too, is, is that. Um, you know, I, I tell people that just if you step outside your house every day, just calm yourself down for a second and stand there. Look around at everything, the trees, breathe in the air. Look at everything that's in existence. It probably shouldn't be, but, you know, it is. And if you can't think that there's some sort of divine <laughs> thing that's happened here to create life, have you seen a baby, how a baby is made, how a baby is born? That in itself will tell you that there's there's obviously what you just said there's 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 that divine direction that that our creation 
Um, and I'm not trying to get weird and get on a soapbox with anybody here, but I'm, I'm with you. I understand you completely. I feel the same way. I can't think for a moment that, you know, everything that's out here in existence wasn't put there by some higher power because, you know, I, I, I refuse to believe I just showed up out of nothing. I'm not going to listen to people saying I came from a thing that crawled up out of the ocean. I just magically started to breathe and grew legs. And I mean, there's, I have a problem with a lot of different things because they seem to follow lines of absolutes. And like you, with my experiences so far in communicating with those who have passed on and, and whatever else it is I may have communicated with out here, because again, we could make this an eight hour show. Um, yeah. It has just, like you, has led me in, in a direction to real un understand that it's all by God's design. I know I, I don't believe for a second he's running our life every second of the day. That's that's insane. But mm -hmm. we didn't show up from nothing, folks. <laughs> I mean, the no. chicken and the egg thing, you know. Um, I don't know. I get I get too weird and too deep on that subject. I wanted to stick well, to, no, your, I mean, to your subject. A, I'm it, sorry, Mark. It's a thing that a lot of people think about. I've thought about it a lot over my life. How did this all come about? Where did it start? Where did it come from? And you can't build something from nothing. So where did this all come from? The one thing, the only thing there was, was God. So there's the source of the something. And, you know, it's hard to get your head around as a finite being in a finite world, basically, that there's right. an infinite eternal being, you know, how, how do you, you know, where was the beginning? There was never a beginning. Somehow it was, he was always there. You know, always he was there, right. Right. And, um, and, and, and as far as we know, folks, we could, you know, we could be this initial creation, you know, as energy goes, if you want to go to the energy marrying spiritualism side of things. Um, I kind of lean into this thing that's like, well, you know, we're in a dream state at times when we dream and inside our brain there's these electrical charges going on and we create this real world that's going on inside our mind. We feel things, we see things. Um, I'm not saying we're doing some sort of Star Trek thing where we're creating matter, you know, out of a uh, certain energy and it's actually happening and we, we react, but you've created this, this thing that's going on inside your, your brain, your subconscious and all these good things or weird things that happen. And, I, I kind of thought one time, it's like, well, what if we were just this thought inside of God's mind and we're created in and of God? Like you said, he is all and he knows all. It, we're, it's all because that's where the, the Big Bang in the universe came from. We, we're, we're inside God's brain. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to say anything. Absolutely. I just thought I think about that. You know, it's. And when he thought that up, it's energy, and it became it became a reality. And I think I read that somewhere, but some explanation very similar to that. We are individual thoughts of God's mind. Right. And when we live our lives, it's all recorded, and we take that back, those experiences. Right. Yeah. God gives us a life. That's his gift to us, and what we return to him is what we do with that life, our experiences. And it becomes part of the global consciousness or the universal consciousness after that and uh i i've heard it described uh, similarly as we individuals are, are threads in a tapestry and our tapestry our soul is composed of many lifetimes and then those those this tapestry is a, is like a thread 
of a larger tapestry, you know, with uh, many more, all the lifetimes threaded together into this larger tapestry, which we call God or the, you know, universal consciousness. So there is a lot of good stuff coming out from uh, mediums as well as from um, near-death experiences that confirm basically what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, we can, you know, quibble over the details of how it's described, but it's something basically like what you said. In, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's going over differences of, I think, maybe the, yeah, like you said, the differences or how we get there. I mean, we're all looking at the same stop stop sign and we're trying to all get to the same crossroads. And I think if we do it, you know, by, by talking with one another, like we're doing right now, you know, um, you may have thoughts a little different than mine and I'm, I have some that might be different from yours, but I think generally we have more in common than we do differences. And that to me is important, especially yeah. with how you've, you've talked about, you know, uh, this, you know, having that connection with that side uh, going forward into your understanding of science and physics itself. What was the moment that I guess, how did this happen to where you questioned, you know, is this all that there is and how can I go further and complete this, you know, this unification, I guess, if you will, to see if there's more going on out there. What, what was that moment? Well, it's an evolving moment. Uh, I mean, I, I never thought that I would actually figure it out myself. I was always reading these things thinking someday I'll read it and then I'll know. I'll know, know how it works. Some physicists will figure it out. But then that day never came. And then the question came up in my head, why are all the, the smartest people in the world, these physicists, not able to solve this problem? Right. And that focused me in because I started to troubleshoot that problem. Why are they not getting it? Why can't they finish this? So I, I, that started me in that direction. And then other things happened to give me the confidence to believe that I can solve the problem. But this happens over the course of a lifetime. So at some point I decide that I have to answer the question, why can't they solve this problem? They're, they're all smarter than me. Uh, and why why couldn't even Einstein solve it? And I, and I eventually got an answer for that question and for the question of why the physicists couldn't solve it. Basically, Einstein failed only because he was born too early. He just didn't have quite enough information, especially about the quarks inside of neutrons and protons. He was on the right path. Right. I just simply extended the path and followed it to the end. Uh, the reason why all the other physicists over the last 80 years or so are failed because they're running down the wrong rabbit hole uh, or a rabbit hole, which basically is quantum mechanics. They've come into this, uh, this uh, religion almost of quantum mechanics where they, they follow that paradigm and they're not going to leave it. They're not yeah. going to question it. And if you question it, watch out. Oh, yeah. Uh, now, that doesn't mean that there isn't open-minded physicists out there, because there are. There are, right. There are a lot of them, and I'm working with some of them, and, and I hope to work with more in the future. And uh, But that's why they, they basically it, it goes by like what uh, Richard Feynman, Feynman said, I'm sorry. He said approximately if, and this was to his co-student uh, at the time, Lee Smolin, 
He said, approximately, if all your colleagues have tried to demonstrate that something's true and failed, it might be because that thing is not true. What if quantum mechanics, especially the field theory, is wrong? Right. Basically, that's the extreme weakness uh, of the quantum gravitational uh, theory. The, the, that weakness of the gra quantum gravi gravitational effects now poses some philosophical problems. Maybe nature is trying to tell us something new here. Maybe we should not try to quantize gravity. That's where they went wrong. They says, hey, all forces have to be a particle-to-particle -particle interaction. That model is wrong. Yeah, yeah. It will never work because... I, and I follow that, a, Mark. I'm like, says who? <laughs> says who? Us? Well, they, they said, well, they invented the idea that it's a particle-to-particle -particle interaction for gravity. So they had to invent a particle, the gravitron. Correct. Graviton. And they never found it. But they will not quit trying to. <laughs> they failed. And they failed to quantize gravity. They tried at least 26 times. Yeah. And they won't give up. I know. I, I, these these are things I touch on. You 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 explain it better than I do, but that's the same type of stuff. When I get into really deep talks with folks uh, on marrying you know the science to what we're trying to do and what we're trying to capture, I touch on some of that because I I am also frustrated as an individual that it's like well we can only do this and we can only do that and we got to put it in parameters. If we can't make it happen, then it's not true, or you know, and as you as you said early, well, just because just because you say that it's you know that you want it to work doesn't mean it's going to work. Just because you say it doesn't work and you can't find a reason to make it work doesn't mean that it's not going to work. Does that make any sense to anybody out there? So just because you say it doesn't mean that that's exactly what it is because you're only operating within parameters of what you design as your absolute understanding. And if you corner yourself. Like you said, in your thinking, not wanting to try to look elsewhere, um, inventing things to cover something that you think that you've discovered. Um, I, I have issues with a lot of that. Um, I know I get all over the place on this, but I'm basically just backing what you say. You know, I, I think that they have invented their own religion within certain science aspects. And if God forbid, if you talk about something outside that, they're not going to have it. And I know that people catch a lot of ridicule. I know you've been asked this before. I can only imagine some of the backlash maybe you got when you talk about something. Uh, a little bit. I've encountered some. I haven't really hit into the mainstream science world yet. I'm working toward that right now. I'm writing a research paper that's going to come out. Right. Basically, it's going to be the unified field theory paper. It's around 40 pages long. And I'm working on it at this very moment and going to put it in some journals. I just need to do that to back up what I said in the book. Wait, I use in the book. I actually then went and designed a, or uh, wrote a program to model that equation, the process. So I outline in high detail the process of how gravity is made from electromagnetism, which basically is the unified field theory, which is this, electromagnetism and gravity emerge as aspects of a single fundamental field. Right. And that's all I did. I said, 
the fundamental field is space or the ether as they called it back in 1905 or so and i just went back through history and reestablished that the ether does exist einstein believed that in his final days and he made speeches talking about that to confirm that uh, unfortunately the, again the rest of physics uh, abandoned the ether in 1905 because one experiment that failed to detect the ether wind oh, and that's that <laughs> that's mind-numbing again it's just uh well you know it's a it's the whole story is in my book and there's a lot of very interesting details but einstein was watching he knew about the experiment the the ether wind experiment the michelson morley experiment and he knew already from previous years when they ran the experiment that it was going to fail to, to detect the ether wind and that was alarming to einstein since both he and Hendrik Antun Lorenz modeled the theory of special relativity, the Lorenz transformations based on an ether model. So he was in a little bit of a pickle there. So since he knew that the ether wasn't going to be confirmed because of this experiment, he wrote a wording into the special relativity to disavow the ether, basically. <laughs> Because he already knew the answer that was going to come up, and he wanted his theory to be accepted, so he kind of danced around it. He did a little magic card trick, and it worked. It fooled everybody. Now everybody has a complete misunderstanding of special relativity and the Lorentz transformations. Right. And so I've had to repair that whole system, bring it forward again, and say, look, you didn't discover the ether wind because of one problem in the design of your experiment. You use photons. Photons always travel at the same rate of speed, completely independent of the motion of anything that's uh, on or any other frame of reference. It, in other words, if you're on a train and you throw a ball, your train is moving 100 miles an hour in this direction, and you throw a ball in that direction for 50 miles an hour, that total speed of that ball will be 150 miles an hour because you add the motion of the train and motion of the thrown ball. But if you sh shine a flashlight, if you're on that same train, the motion of the, of the light beam is still the speed of light, regardless of the motion of the train right. coming or going speed of light is going to be the same either way coming or going and that's why the experiment didn't detect anything it, it could not detect anything because they didn't know until this experiment that the speed of light is constant relative to everything else that's moving and the only way that could be possible is something no physicist ever really has dealt with except einstein the only reason it's possible is because the speed of light is generated internal to the particle. So that makes it independent of any other motion. It gets all of its motion from its internal design, which I talk about in the book, which is called basically the slip wave. And um, that's, that's how the big mistakes started happening. That's where things went wrong. And it all happened mainly in 1905. And... Oddly enough, with Einstein and his 
misinterpretation of the Lorenz transformations, which I could spend an hour talking about. <laughs> but it's in the book, basically. And that's a big problem. That's a very big problem in physics. I had to unknot that whole thing and put it in the book, explain, explain what the proper interpretation of special relativity is. And then I moved on to the solution for unified field theory. Wow, you put a lot of time and, and work into this. And, you know, listening to you go on and on, like I said, it's mind-numbing the process with some of these folks. And, you know, it's not to, it's not to throw dispersions. It's just, you know, I think if you, if, you, if you operate like that and you get negative results and then somebody comes along like yourself and you're like, well, hey, I, I figured out what you did wrong here. I, maybe we should take another look at it. And then, of course, they're so, again, they're so mindset that, no, no, no. This is what we've put in place as the accepted norm. We're going to go by this, and we're not going to go by anything else. And if you're going to have a progression in science, if we are going to reach the heights and the levels, folks, that I think here we are in the 21st century that I think we, sh we should be going towards, especially with space travel and other things. And I'm going to take a quick break because I would like Mark to touch on that because you said some interesting things connected to this about space travel and, and where we're going to be as in humanity. Um, but uh, we've got Mark uh, with us, uh, Fiorentino. I know I said that very quickly, but uh, I believe I'm getting it very close. Fiorentino. Very good. Uh, grazie. Uh, so we're going to uh, take a quick break here, and I want to believe you're listening to us on the one and only Unrestricted Radio. Do yourselves a favor, folks, and download that app, unrestrictedradio.com, and you can listen to the bands and music that other stations and other Internet networks do not play. We play them here. Plus, you can listen to us Sunday nights, 9 p.m., Eastern Standard Time. And uh, also go to our network, which is the Michigan 69 podcast.com network and uh you'll find a lot of great programming over there not just paranormal stuff lots of fun lots of even old time radio thrillers one of my favorite things uh when i was a kid uh we'd like to thank our sponsor henderson castle hendersoncastle.com 1895 uh built bed and breakfast right here in downtown kalamazoo where i live built by frank and mary henderson and yours truly folks yours truly yes Dan Big Dog Hallroyd. I host the historic ghost tours there once a month, and you can learn about the family and some of the strange going-ons at Henderson Castle. And, of course, Gun Barrel Coffee. You've had the rest. Drink the best. GunBarrelCoffee.com. We will be back for more right here right after this. <laughs>
You awesome music lovers are listening to Unrestricted Radio. Check out Unrestricted Radio at unrestrictedradio.com and download the Unrestricted Radio app today. Unrestricted Radio. We play the bands that other radio stations should be playing. Take a stand. Take a stand. Take a stand. Like my brother did, when he wouldn't take no for an answer. Like my wife did, when she asked the right questions. Like my friend did, when she made the call. You stood by us when we were in uniform, so stand by us now. Take a stand for those who served our country. If you're a veteran in crisis, or no one who is, the Confidential Veterans Crisis Line is here for you. Call 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. Chat at veteranscrisisline.net or text 838-255.
we're back. Thanks for staying with us. Uh, we actually go nowhere. We sit here and look at each other on the camera. But you got a chance to listen to some PSAs and, of course, not hear me talk and talk and talk and blow hot wind. And hopefully you enjoyed the music. Now, when Mark goes back to listen to this, he's going to know I, p I picked out a couple of things because I thought they'd be kind of fun. I know one of them is, is Weird Science, you know, from the movie Weird Science. I thought that'd be fun to throw in there. And a couple of other goodies. Uh, I like that movie. Yeah, from science fiction shows. I thought I threw a couple of those in there. I thought you'd get a kick out of them. Uh, again, you know, when I was younger, Mark, um, in, you know, mid to late 60s, for me, I'm 58. And I tell a lot of people that I fell in love because I was right at that era where all the space age stuff was happening. We, we, we were, I was in kindergarten and was let out to go watch on TV, the moon landing in the middle of the day here in Kalamazoo in 1969. So I remember mm -hmm. all the moon shots, loved space. When I was a kid, I watched lost in space, fell in love with space, fell in love with star Trek. I'm still a Trekkie, uh, all sorts of sci-fi. I'm into all this stuff. And, a lot of the things that um, Mark has talked about, folks, on the program, we use some of this stuff in paranormal investigation. Uh, we operate on electromagnetic fields. And what I like to see, like I do with folks in my group, is that they read up on this and they understand what it is that the Earth has a natural field and there are other outside varying factors that bombard us and cause things to happen too. Because way too often... Uh, people misread and misunderstand electromagnetic fields. Uh, and they do a lot of strange things. And I have discovered myself, not being a scientist, that there are chaos variants that come into play on occasion because the universe does what it wants and there are things that happen. And because we expect what we're doing with our experiment to go one way, we're pleasantly surprised once in a while because it goes left on us. And then that gives us the reason to look into why did it do that? Because normally we get this. Now, people wouldn't think that in paranormal investigating, but it does happen because I put a lot of stock into the Van Allen radiation belt and other things like that. So I just thought I'd throw that out there. But uh, let's get back to what we, we left off on uh, there, Mark. Uh, I'll let you go ahead and continue. Okay. Um... Well, I'm trying to remember what we were talking about before. We're having a lot of fun. So anything you want, Bugs Bunny, I don't know. All right. Well, um, I went over the fact that, you know, I have the solution to the field theory right. in this book. It's very detailed, and I'm writing a paper that's even more detailed. That's It's very important to get that out there because it's a big deal, and it's important. It's part of our evolution we have to get beyond this problem and so with that solution in mind since i worked on gravity and tried to understand what it is and what is it basically what is the gravitational field well since i talked about electromagnetism and gravity emerging as the aspect of a single fundamental field which that single fundamental field is the ether so really I deconstructed electromagnetism and broke it back into two fields, an electrostatic field, which we all know about, things like lightning, uh, the way, you know, electrons are made of electrostatic fields, and magnetism. So when I deconstructed those two basic fields, which are deformations of a continuous solid, 
uh, basically a quasi-elastic, or you could also say quasi-rigid, solid material. And there's loads of evidence confirming that space is a solid material. And when I say solid, all I mean is something that is continuous. It's not made of parts. Like if you think of metal being a solid, well, really it's made of atoms that are in you know various elements that make up the solid material. Same with wood, same with stone. They're not true solids. I mean, they're as close as you can get, but a true solid is just something that is continuous. And that's what this field is. So the other fields that are, exist in space, magnetism and electrostatic fields, are just bendings of space. They're different types of bending of space. A, a, a electrostatic field is a, is a twist of space. And I'm going to hold up something for the camera so you can see what an electron would oh, look yeah. like, basically. Here, I'll let you see the pointy end. And spiral, folks. That, yeah, it's a vortex. You know, and yep, they, vortex. they worked on this. Heaviside and Maxwell and all those guys back in the day, they figured that out. And I, I wondered about why did they come up with a vortex shape? But then when you realize that a, a solid can only be bent so many different ways, it could be twisted clockwise, it can be twisted counterclockwise, it could be stretched, and it can be compressed. That's about it. Right. So those were the only choices. So they said somehow twisting space into these vortex shapes, somehow that makes particles move. And that's really important in coming up with a unified field theory. You have to know how, what's the cause of autonomous particle motion. And I, I look for anybody that actually ever studied that because everything in physics now is based on what they call kinematics, which is kind of a flaw in physics when you think about it. Well, what's kinematics? That's the branch of mechanics concerned with the motion of objects without reference to the forces that cause that motion. That's a weakness. You've got to know the cause of the motion of particles. If you don't, you don't know how this universe works. It's right. like Einstein said, nothing happens unless something moves. Yeah, <laughs> that was an incredibly deep and important statement he made. Very much so, along many lines, because if you can't backtrack it to what the cause was, how can you explain what it really is? No, they just go, well, it moves and it has momentum. Yeah. That's it. We're not yeah. going to talk about what caused it and how it right. maintains that momentum. Right. Well, Einstein knew better. And after years of searching, I finally found somebody that was thinking the same thing I was thinking. You have to know why particles move. And in his unified field theory uh, paper of gravitation and electricity, written in July 25, 1925, he says at the very last sentence in his paper, he says, nevertheless, I'm still far away from claiming the physical validity of the equations I've derived in this paper. The reason for that is that I did not succeed in deriving equations of motions for particles yet. So he knew. Yeah. That's yeah. where it's at. That's where the action's at. And nobody's working on it. So I had to put it in my book. I, I came up with a model. I have a model for why uh, particles move. And it's basically this. It's quite simple. There's a pressure gradient that exists within those particles that little twisted thing i showed you yeah right here the least 
amount of stress is the beginning of the so, twist. Yeah. The most yeah. stress, the most twisting is at the end. And then at that end, it's the least dense because you're stretching space as it turns. Uh, if you don't believe me, get a, a silly putty and twist it and watch what happens to the silly putty as you twist it. It gets thinner and thinner until it snaps. Right. You're, you're changing the density. And when you change the density, you change the pressure gradient. And when you do that, you have motion. And if you don't believe me, look at nature. Pressure. Pressure is the thing that causes motion. Look at weather systems, high and low pressure systems. They generate wind motion. The wings of airplanes, they generate lift because of high pressure on the bottom and low pressure on the top. The yep. engines that drive all our cars, combustions, combustion inside of the engine pressure moves the pistons. It goes on and on. Water hose, <laughs> the, the pressure in the water causes the, uh, the, the water to shoot out the, the hose. Uh, the pressure and voltage causes electrons to move. Pressure, pressure, pressure is the cause of motion. So now we have the model that can be derived, equations that can be derived that, that, that we could use to fill in the blank for how particles move, which is vitally important in understanding where the, for, the fields of force come from. So basically I said that magnetism is just um, a rotation of space. So when that little particle is moving, which is an electrostatic field, that's the primary field of force in the universe. Everything comes from that. And when it moves like this, it has a velocity. That means motion in a direction, velocity. When you have this, you have the beginning of the particle, the end of the particle, it's pushed in space because of that pressure gradient that exists with inside of the particle. All of this makes sense. They should have worked this out decades ago. And they, they didn't because they were working on probabilities of things instead. And probabilities don't tell you how things work. No. Ask anybody. <laughs> if you want, quantum mechanics cannot tell you how something works. It could just give you the odds of something going to happen right. Right. based on you know the, your circumstances and, and the, the certain right. ad hoc parameters that they use to tune the equations to get the right answer. Yeah, and, um, and I mean, like I said, and, and I know that there are, are there are randomized experiments that happen with you know within that circle that sometimes they're, they, these people that I've talked to, including one of our people in my group, you know, um, he has seen things that he's put in those parameters and been very surprised that something else has happened, and then he's actually asked me why that's happening, and I'm. You know, I'm looking at him like, well, you're the scientist and the engineer. You designed this equipment to do certain things. And why somebody's talking to you or you're getting readings as you're answering, you know, asking questions rather, or other things are going on that you don't believe should be going on in this, this room or this area. Well, you built this and designed this and you understand all the mathematics and the physics involved in what you're setting up here for your equipment in your experiment. But yet, at the end of it, Instead of backtracking why it's happening, you're asking me for the quick answer, and I'm just I'm just the investigator guy that, you know, that believes in the metaphysical side of things. Well, the spiritual side of things and metaphysical side of things, and I find that fascinating too. Like I said, I wouldn't. I, I, I my mind is still blown. Like you, you know, uh, like you keep describing that these people reach this this point and 
Like you said, it should have been solved so long ago. I mean, I don't understand. I, I guess I won't understand the mindset, but the possibilities of what you've done and what you are doing, you know, let's say going out into space and space travel, you know, um, if you're to theorize on what you think a lot extraterrestrial vehicles operate on, those that we think are extraterrestrial, maybe maybe not parallel or, or maybe us from the future. There's so many damn, damn many theories on this. Um, I tend to think that maybe some of it, if it's if it's extraterrestrial or maybe even us from the future, let's just say that that, that we've broken that. We've broken that bubble, and we realize that we've got these anti-grav vehicles that can do all these wonderful things. Because, like you said, you've you've opened the door. You now you now know what it does. You explain it. You can work around it. You can make things, you know, happen at your will because you really understand and the fundamentals. Does that make sense? Because I've always uh, yeah. Because it's gravity, yeah, I mean, right? especially when you're talking about gravity and anti-gravity. So right. I've already told you that gravity is a contraction of space. So now that we understand that, then we know that anti-gravity must be an expansion of space. Right. And so I've already talked about the slip wave being an expansion of space, that an electrostatic field, a twisted, which is a twist of space, basically, is it causes an expansion as you go back toward the back of the particle. And so there's the key. So we got to use, if, in gravity, um, I should go to the cause of gravity and then I can explain the cause of anti-gravity. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so, we, are your, we are your students. And like yeah, so let's just touch on the super relativity gravity explanation. Gravity is caused by the accelerated motion of fundamental unbalanced charges. There's a lot in that sentence. I'm going to go back over it. When charges move this way, they cause the space in and around the particle to contract. I said that earlier. Yep. Gravity is a contraction of the spatial medium. So now what I've done is just describe to you the exact mechanical explanation for how to get space to contract. And you do it using an electromagnetic field which means you've got the unified field theory. So how did I come up with, there's some key words in that first sentence, accelerated motion, why is that important? Well, I'm now I'm gonna tell you why that's important. And it was discovered really first by um, Paul uh, Ehrenfest, I think is his name. And then Einstein read about it and then he called it his kind of happiest thought, but I, I don't know if it was all his happiest thought. But he understood what Aaron Fest's paradox really meant in the world of gravity. So and here's the explanation from Amir D. Excel's book. Einstein followed the line of reasoning that began with the happiest thought of his life. Still at the Swiss patent office, he conducted one of his famous thought experiments. Einstein imagined a circle spinning in space. The center of the circle did not move but its circumference was moving quickly in a circular direction. Everybody can visualize that. Einstein compared what happens in several reference frames, a standard tool he had used in developing the special relativity theory. He concluded, underline this in your mind, he concluded using his special relativity that the boundary of the disk contracted as it spun. And he gets this from special relativity 
the Lorentz transformation for the contraction of particles as they accelerate through, uh, as they move through space. Right. There was a force acting on the circle at the boundary, the centrifugal force, and its action was analogous to that of the gravitational force. But the same contraction that affected the outer circle left the diameter unchanged. Thus, Einstein concluded in a way that surprised even him, the ratio of the circle to the diameter was no longer pi. He deduced in the presence of a gravitational force or field, the geometry of space was non-Euclidean. What that means is it was bent. It was yeah. bent in a specific yeah. way at the perimeter of the spinning uh, disk. It was contracted along the perimeter. And now we have an exact mechanical explanation for how to create gravity. So how do, how do atoms do it? How do neutrons and protons do it? See this? Oh, wow. This is a, um, a trefoil knot, one of the most basic, simple knots that exists. <laughs> I think it's the simplest. If you can imagine the three quarks moving at near the speed of light, 0.9995, at least somewhere in that range, I've calculated it, uh, wrote a paper on it to, to come up with, I needed that number. They move like this. And not only is they're, they're moving like this, they're moving at such a great speed in such a small space. This motion, it's accelerated. And Einstein said, acceleration and gravity are somehow equivalent. I'm linking things for you to figure this out. Right. Acceleration is important. I said acceleration, accelerate motion of fundamental unbalanced charges. Unbalanced charges are quarks. They're fundamental. They don't break into something else. So these things moving like this, now not only are they doing this, but this thing is spinning as, it's, it's, as they're moving this thing. And it's rolling. So you got a spiral shape so the, the end result is a, is a system where the, you've got a spinning sphere that's precessing rapidly. So what do you get? You get a contraction all along the diameter of that sphere, everywhere. A slight contraction, a bending inwards toward that, that perimeter with no poles. And that's exactly what we see when we measure a particle. Gravity has no poles. That's why. And that makes sense why we haven't figured this out. I, well, it took a near-death experience from somebody else for me to come up with this, this uh, particular discovery because I knew that Einstein was looking for a dynamical, dynamical geometry to explain gravity inside of the neutron and proton. But he didn't know that the quarks were existing. In his time, there was just a neutron and a proton and somehow it had mass and Nobody knew anything about there was particles inside of it moving rapidly. Right. So that's how gravity comes about. That's how that contraction actually happens. It's purely mechanical. Newton would love this. So now how do we cause anti-gravity? We're going to have to use a particle again, but that particle is going to have to move differently and not in an accelerated manner because anytime you move an unbalanced charge, in an accelerated manner, it's going to make gravity. You don't want that. We want anti-gravity. We want right. space to expand. Right. So we use the electron, and we make that electron move the wire. 
and that creates a strong magnetic field and a magnetic field is a rotation of space in response to the moving electric charge that causes space to stretch that causes an expansion and that's why when we look at ufos and we do you know we go out and research a landing site like the air force did and they took magnometers devices that measure magnetic fields they discovered that there was intense uh, residue of magnetic field left at these landing sites and in some cases they picked up a blade of grass and it was magnetized yeah as a kid i was wondering hey why is there these strong magnetic fields around UFOs? This must have to do with the anti-gravity. And it took me many years to piece it together, how it worked. But now it makes perfect sense. They use magnetism to create the anti-gravity field by causing space to stretch. So that's how anti-gravity happens. But by making the the electron move in a wire, it's not moving in an accelerated fashion, it's moving more in a, in a linear fashion, jumping from, from uh, ion channel to ion channel as it makes its way around through the wire. And if you have superconducting wires, you have perfect ion channels that allow the electron to effortlessly go through the wire. And I'm sure UFOs use room temperature superconducting cables to generate the intense magnetic fields necessary to cancel gravity and provide propulsion, which all you have to do is to do make the same, the same shape that I just showed you with the little shell. Yeah. Do that around a, a ship. So I remember as a kid wondering, why are these motherships cigar-shaped? That's got to be a reason for that. That's not an accident. All these uh, motherships seem to be cigar-shaped. That's the simplest geometry to use to make a starship. Because you, 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 at one end of the, sh of the ship, you have a coil, a magnetic coil. And then concentric rings there fly through the rest of the ship. So at one end, you have a strong magnetic field. The next part is a stronger. The next part is a stronger. And all the way at the end is the strongest field. Now, not only do you have anti-gravity, but you've got propulsion because you've created a pressure gradient all along the ship. Right. And at the same time, you canceled inertia, which is critical to a starship and any ship that goes, you know, more faster than a jet. Because if you don't cancel inertia inside of the ship, you'll be killed by inertial uh, forces when you accelerate. And, that's, the, and, that's the other part of the story, right? And then, to, as you said, you know, to be able to do the things that we we witness them doing, right. obviously, gravity has no play in it at this. Well, it does, but not to how it affects us because they're just, you know, they're doing all sorts of crazy things. And as you said, inside the the, the vehicle, you'd have to cancel that out because you know you need to be banged around and squashed like a like a tomato and the G-forces or whatever inside there. Yeah, it's a, if you're going 50,000 miles an hour and make a left turn, that's bone-crushing oh, uh, yeah. inertia. You yeah, will not survive that. But yeah. yet they do it as a common practice. Yeah, like it's now, nothing. Yeah. So yeah. You, you better plan on making an anti-gravity system that cancels inertia. And fortunately, oh. that's exactly what happens when you use this system. I find it interesting, too, you know, they changed their thought here in recent years. You know, they used to tell you for years that, well, that Star Trek thing of, 
traveling at warp speed and doing all this crazy stuff. Yeah, you can't do that. Well, now they're like, well, you can. Like you said, you know, I, I think if you've been space, obviously you can go from one point to the next. Uh, I don't know how that's going to affect linear time. Again, that, that's a, probably a whole other show to I can tell you that. Yeah. yeah, but isn't that isn't that how you would do it? I mean, you you'd have to fold it in on itself. Uh, you you no, you don't fold it in on yourself. That's a contraction. Uh, you you're you're causing an expansion uh, of uh, yeah, a gradient, a pressure gradient along from the front of the ship to the back of the ship. Right. And th within that whole ship, fortunately, you know, magnetic fields because you don't want to really be inside of a really super intense magnetic field. It's not good for your health. Uh, so, by any stretch, yeah. But, but the, the beauty of all this, you can tell it's an intelligent design because <laughs> just what you need to have happen, happens so that you can have a starship. Right. So you can put ferrous materials and diametric, diamagnetic materials around the inside of the hull. So the uh, person will be shielded from the magnetic field, but at the same time, the anti-gravity field will not be shielded. It will penetrate the entire ship and, and surrounding it, which is exactly what you need. So you can, you, you'll basically be floating like you're not moving at all. You could be moving 50, 60,000. You could be moving beyond the speed of light, which this field also makes that possible. So right. you're probably wondering, how does how can you break the light speed barrier? I mean, isn't that, that what everybody? Be my next question: How do you, <laughs> yeah. how do we do that? How do you get I mean, past that? I, it, well, you know, again, and I had to go back in history to find out the cause of the speed of light. And Maxwell, James Clerk Maxwell, really discovered it back uh, several centuries, uh, three or four centuries ago. Well, two or three, and. Um, Basically, uh, it's caused by two properties of space. Again, we're back to space, the fundamental field. Right. Uh, well, it just so happens that if you go out in the middle of outer space, way out beyond anything, and you measure for permittivity and permeability, it will have some, which is an indication that space is a real thing. If it were truly empty, as many physicists believe, uh, empty void with nothing at all, then it wouldn't have a measurable permittivity and permeability. Science says it's there. Therefore, I say space is a real physical object. So what did Maxwell discover? He discovered that the speed of light, C, equals 1 over the square root of permittivity times permeability. And what is permittivity? It's a kind of a way that uh, it has to do with electrostatic fields and how they build and you know it's like an impedance to their, their motion and, and permeability is the magnetic part of the same thing the same effect so what are particles and everything that's made of particles is electromagnetic fields all particles are electromagnetic fields so now we have a reason why the speed of light can't go any faster than that and, you know, and light, photons, is a unique particle. It has no mass. Why? It has no mass because it always travels in a straight line and doesn't accelerate. Remember what I said about acceleration and gravity? Yes. It won't generate mass because it's not accelerating. It's right. moving at the maximum velocity because it's a balanced charge. Remember how I said unbalanced charges make gravity? Well, a balanced charge doesn't because it 
because its structure determines how it moves. It has a velocity in a specific direction that doesn't accelerate, therefore it generates no mass, therefore it goes at the maximum speed. So now we're at the point where we've figured out how particles move, we've figured out the slipway, we're gonna make a slipway spatial bias drive that's going to bend space in such a way so that we can exceed the light speed barrier. And I already know this can be done because there are people in the um, world have who have made meta materials. Meta material is a material that reduces the amount of permittivity and permeability inside of that material. And when they shine light into it, these scientists are claiming the light is going infinitely fast. If you reduce permittivity and permeability to zero in that equation that I just told you, the result is infinity. You know, dividing one by zero is yeah. infinite. Yeah. So um, what you need to do is you need to just reduce the permittivity and permeability by using an intense magnetic field. That causes space to stretch, stretch the density drops, permittivity and permeability drop because there's less space in that region because of the magnetic field that, that is stretching it. So now you can go any speed you want. The more you, the, the more intense the field, the faster you can go. So what, what does that mean to mankind? You can build a starship that can travel at the speed of a god. You can go 50,000, 100,000, a million times the speed of light. You can get to another star system in minutes. And that's exactly what you need to do. Right. It's going the speed of light. It's way too slow. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to yeah. go to Proxima Centauri, 4.2 light years away, it's going to take you 4.2 light years one way. Yeah. That's intolerable. We can't, we yeah. can't do that. Right. You know, uh, go 100 years away, light, 100 light years away, it's your whole lifetime a one-way trip yep. it's not useful to humanity we need to yep. get there in minutes or a few hours that's it it has to be this way if we're going to travel through the stars obviously our friends the ets the aliens they have achieved this technology yeah, they've already figured it out right because right. they're here yeah oh yeah and they didn't go at the, you know using rockets <laughs> or the, you yeah. know at the speed of light yeah. they die before they get here that's absolutely correct. You know, that lends me to, uh, uh, you know, we, we're touching on some of the, this this tra space travel. You know, um, the transporter thing, I saw this in here in one of the questions, and it caught my eyeball. Because I was talking to somebody not too long ago, and uh, he said, do you think we'll ever have transporters like they do on Star Trek? I said, absolutely. Uh, there had been people messing with this for quite a few years that I'm aware of. Uh, where they were trying to take matter, transport to you know to another area, of course, failing horribly. Um, I cannot imagine once you know once we break this down that you're not going to be able to do this. I mean, is this something that you think is feasible? I probably, obviously, not in my lifetime, but I yes, it's in your lifetime. It's already happening. Really? It's already happening. It's called a Stargate. And it doesn't happen the way the Star Trek version. I don't think anybody will ever do where the version where they tear your molecules and your atoms apart yeah, and then reassemble them. Right. That that would take a computer more powerful than any computer 
that, yeah. then all the computers combined on Earth couldn't track that and manage that. And then you'd have to throw those particles across space and then recon. <laughs> it's that's not going to happen. <laughs> not that I can see. Maybe there's some advanced technology that's millions right. of years ahead of us right. that does it that way, but it's a very inefficient way. The way you do Dr. it, Dr. McCoy has his fears well founded. Then, folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not a safe way to do it. It's not no, the way no. I want to do it. You no. just simply open a portal, and and and, and you cross a, a distance or a dimension, either time or space, to another region. Now, the mathematics to know where the other side is, you know, I'd love to work with the guys that compute that and figure that out. But what you do is you create a stargate, which is basically using that metamaterial I was telling you about to create something called, um, uh, what's the term? The fractal lens. And um, you accelerate the light through that. And then the light comes out of the stargate frame at faster than the speed of light, which means it's gonna be highly compressed when it hits the air, it causes an electromagnetic shock wave. And if you do that, maybe in parallel or in, with the high frequency audio sound, you get that air to vibrate that space around that frame. You could tune it to another dimension or another physical place. And then you just step through the portal. That'd be, that'd be crazy. That's way easier and safer than having your molecules and atoms ripped apart in radio to somewhere else and reassembled. Yeah, they, they, talk, they talk quite often in the novels about, you know, transporter accidents. I can only yeah. imagine that mess. Yeah. Um, let's let's, let's uh, kind of turn a corner a little bit and go back a little bit because I there's other things on here uh, on uh, questions uh, that I have here that caught my, my attention too. Um, there's... A psychic counselor uh, that's mentioned here, um, in retrospect, talking about speaking, you know, with your mom, and I'm interested in in some of these these uh, uh, stories, you know, about the guardian angels and saving your life. And but mm -hmm. uh, I'm interested in talking with your mother. I lost my mom uh, two years ago now, and I didn't think she'd come to me. She went to my daughter first, and then I finally talked to her in a dream and I knew it was real because of the questions and the way she was acting you know here's my mom as she looked in her 30s and she's got a cigarette in her mouth and I'm like what are you doing with the cigarette because she had quit smoking years ago and her answer to me was well I can do this here yeah <laughs> okay and I can yeah. do what I want and when I followed her we're now in a home I grew up in for some reason in the dream she disappeared under the stairs in some darkness and I followed her around the corner to question her some more and she was gone, but she before she did that, she told me she was okay. So, and I hadn't had any worry that she wasn't okay, but she told me she was. So I, I kind right. of thought to myself, this is a real message. Now, yes. share that share that story with me about the, the psychic and your mother. I'd love to hear this. Yeah, um, after that first psychic, I uh, years before when I was twenty, uh, in some marital problems, and I went to a we went to a therapist. Haven't we all? <laughs> yeah. But some of the problems we were having was because I wanted to work on inventions and we had no money because my partner was spending all the money. <laughs> we didn't have any, so I was getting mad about it. And so we'd argue. And um, 
over money. And, and then when I told the therapist there, and he says, well, that's an unusual situation. You have this premonition or something you're working on, and you need to go talk to the psychic lady. So she happened to know one. Her name is June Riggs. And she was very good. And uh, how I know that she was the real thing, and, and there is an afterlife, this was really the second uh, instance in many instances that I was convinced that there is an afterlife. So we went, my wife and I went to this play. We met her at a hotel in a hotel room and did a reading. And my mother came to her and only I knew what was in my mind. And I used to pray at night uh, and there was a yellow chair in the room, comfortable yellow chair. And I used to look at that and imagine my mother sitting in that chair and I would have conversations, you know, like, Hey, how's your day? My day went like this, so forth, so. I still and I talk to my her. mother. There's nothing weird about it. Yeah. No, and um, so the lady said, "Your mother's here, and she wants you to know she heard you, and she's sitting in the yellow chair in your bedroom, just where you asked her to." Oh my! How did that lady know that? I'm now that right. I never even spoke that aloud. There was no way she got that. All there wasn't an internet then. There was no way to look me up and find that out that only in my mind only i knew that and apparently anybody who could hear my thoughts knew it apparently my mother could hear my thoughts and then she told me she was there and i've been listening to you when you pray at night so that's that's the story and and there it is for people and how do you know there's an afterlife well you know it from your own personal experiences and there's one right there that i can say happened to me and I know for sure there's an afterlife because there's no other ex explanation. Obviously, the per my mother's consciousness, her soul, exists after she passed away physically. And, and that's been the message that's coming from the other side, left and right. I just watched the NDE uh, interview yesterday, and the main message from Jesus to everybody was, from this person who went on a tour of the afterlife he said at the end he said tell everybody you don't die it's, it's just that simple we are eternal we live forever this is just like a roller coaster ride or an experience what we go through we gather experiences and and, and we learn hopefully from these experiences yeah. and, and for and, folks um, who got on the, the show here too mark you know uh, we've had a few people that, you know, their belief is that uh, we go through several trials of this, which is why some of us have past memory. And maybe that's part of the plan. Right. You know, it doesn't throw anybody's faith and their belief out of whack. It's just this could be part of his divine plan. And I find that beautiful more than I do concerning. And same with the, you know, the paranormal experiences. Nine times out of ten out of the things I've, I've gone up against or that I've investigated, I tell people I've had more beautiful experiences with the paranormal than I have anything that's been creepy or scary because there right. are people out there that model these stories and tell you these things and some of the stuff that happens, you know, to sell a book or make a movie or get a TV show. And uh, unfortunately, you know, I've had more, like with your mother, I've had 
I've had moments. My dad passed. That was uh, I had a psychic friend reach out to me and said that your dad. Uh, I got a message from your dad out of the blue. She called me and said he wanted me to tell you that that red car is way too small for you. <laughs> and then she and, and Christy had no idea that I had a red car. I didn't put any pictures up. And this is my space time, so I had no. You know, I had a red Taurus, and I hated. I'm six two, and I hated crawling in and out of this little Taurus and. Um, you know, so I'm with you on that, sir. Uh, I had uh, kind of the same message, and I, I had thought Christy was the real deal, but that really cemented it. You know, and there's been a couple other times that she's contacted us when we've been in time of need. But, you know, there are good people out there that operate in that realm, and they do a lot of good work. I know a couple. And, oh, you know, I know I know one, a great one, Tamara Richardson, who's also my friend, an amazing psychic medium. Just incredible and she's going to be in my book yeah at yeah. the end of the book because it's the, the end of the book is going to be a, a real slam bang uh amazing <laughs> uh, last chapter because uh, that really puts everything together that's happened in my life and it's right. amazing story don't want to reveal it yet but uh, no 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 <laughs> my people to buy the book yeah don't don't yeah. get out all the spoilers um so how did the guardian angels save your life because i too you and i have some similarities obviously i too have had some things happen that again i don't think i was worthy of the help or maybe the love but i guess i was saved or designed to be here to do something further or to do more well well you are worthy we we all are that's where we get into trouble thinking we're not and and then the other side is constantly reassure trying to reassure us that we are we're all important we're all every last one of us is at the center of god's attention and that includes you I so that. <laughs> that's what the guardian their job is I have two guardian angels. One is to make sure I don't die early, which I make it difficult for them, as you will see in a minute. Uh, and the other one is more, I guess, the spiritual <laughs> advisor, that, that, that type. I have a male and a female. Now, the male, um, what happened, the story is, is very basic, simple, and amazing. I drive, uh, when I was at IBM in Charlotte, North Carolina, I, I had about a 35, 40 minute drive home. And, and I would drive down this road and there would be a point where I hit a T intersection. I can go left, was the quiet country roads. Most of the time I went that way. It's a little longer, but it was way more peaceful. I could go right, lots of traffic, lots of stoplights. It's a little shorter, but it's a lot more hectic and i was driving a shift stick uh uh stick, stick shift car at the time and um so i decided i'm um, thinking in my head i'm approaching the intersection i'm gonna go left and then when i thought then i heard a voice say don't go that way now i'm not talking i heard my voice in my head say that i'm talking about a voice out just next to my ear a different voice, a man's voice, not mine, not thinking in my head voice, a voice as if somebody was right next to my ear. So I quickly turned around to see if there was somebody sitting behind me. Of course, there was nobody there. And then, of course, I just shook my head, being a scientist kind of guy. I just, you don't hear the voices very often like that. Right, right. So I said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go that way. And then the voice said again, don't go that way. 
So I'm stopped at the thing thinking, this is really amazing. Now I'm very curious. I'm going to have to go that way. So I know, okay, there's danger ahead because they wouldn't have said that if there wasn't. Uh, so probably going to be a head-on accident. So I need to be looking ahead the whole time to make sure I don't run into somebody in a head-on accident. So, okay. So then the voice doesn't come back anymore. So I turn that way. You know, I'm sure they're frustrated pounding the table over there or whatever. Because how, what do we got to do to keep this guy alive? They must be saying. <laughs> He's an idiot. He's going the way I told him not to go. And um, but you know I needed evidence. I needed proof, man. I'm a scientist. <laughs> yeah. So I went that way, and I'm looking ahead. I've tried to stay close to a car in front. Of, I was a van. Tried to stay close to that, and you know to buffer me. Hopefully, you know. But um, but I kept looking ahead. It says the trouble will come from ahead. And sure enough, about three quarters of the way though, on a long straightaway, there's this truck, a pickup truck, swerving wildly. It's going into our lane. It's a two-lane road going back across off the road, then turning, coming back on the road, going into the other lane again. And he's doing this over and over, and he's approaching me <laughs> and the guy in front of me. So the guy in front of me, he just turns and bails out. Now I'm sitting in the middle of the road with this truck coming at me. So I turn the wheel as hard as I can, and I go off into a ditch, and we miss by inches. And then that truck spins, turns around, and then is sitting right in the middle of the road, finally stopped after knocking, I don't know how many people off the road because of the crazy driving, which I, I to this day, don't know what caused the guy to do that. I mean, we're all just sitting there, all scattered all over the road, looking at each other, and nobody got hit. And then everybody just, just went on their way and went home. And so there was the proof you want proof folks you want proof you want evidence of an afterlife well let that happen to you and i bet you you'll be convinced afterwards yeah. that there is an afterlife there are guardian angels and you know spirit guides and so that's my evidence personal personal experience i mean all i can do is tell you the story you can believe it or not and uh i'm telling it to you so that you'll know that it's true it's real and you can bank on it. You can count on it. You're not alone in this life. That's the important. All we, all we can do is uh, give testimony and bear witness, Mark. I do, yeah. I do the same thing to a lot of folks. And, I, and that's what they want us to do. Right, right. I mean, I, I, when I came to terms with this gift, which I used to call a curse, because I wasn't sure what to do with it, and I kept it to myself for years, I asked him, what is it? I broke down in tears in my office in a chair. And this is my come to, not come to him, but this, when I really finally heard God speak to me, you know, I'd always believed in him, but, you know, I'd, I'd had some times where my faith was shaken. And uh, I said, what do you want me to do with this? He's, you know, driving me insane. I'm seeing things and hearing things. And I know I'm not mentally ill, you know, as far as I knew. I mean, outside the, you know, some of the crazy that all of us have in us. But I just thought, and I heard a voice. I, I felt very warm and loved. A light came in the window, and I heard a voice. Like you said, it wasn't my voice. I didn't hear it in my ear, but it was almost resonating in my head. And it was not me. And it said, I want you to go forward, bear witness, and help. And so when I exactly. have the opportunity, because I don't do too many private 
investigations anymore, but I still encounter people and I get something off them and I approach them and say, can I talk to you for a minute? Drives my wife insane because, you know, why do you got to make people cry all the time? It's like, well, there's times there's messages that come to me that are so strong, I am supposed to share. So I'm I'm backing your, right. know, I'm, you know, politicizing your, your account as well. I tell people there's obviously more going on. Um, well, uh, Danny and Elmer, you guys, welcome aboard. You're on God's team now. You're on God's team, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're part Elmer of the might... team that's going to make it happen, make this yeah. world a better world by doing exactly what you guys are doing now. We're trying. We're trying. I know Elmer gets involved in the whole Mothman thing. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. I'm going. I'm going to switch switch gears. I know I'm all over the place because you're so fascinating. It's like we need like a week of having you on. Like, you <laughs> oh, know, thank like you. Well, you have so much that you're into and that you discuss. You know, we've touched a little bit on UFO. I mean, probably not as deep as I wanted to get. But well, it's all related. It all ties in. It's the universe. We all share the universe. <laughs> right. Right. Um, <coughs> excuse me. <laughs> Man, I'm trying to fight a cold. Um, the government cover-ups cover um, that's related to uh, the anti-gravity technology, and I believe that they've been responsible for covering up some alternative fuel sources as well. And I'm not talking about the crazy yes. green things, but, you know, whatever happened. Remember the guy that created the hydrogen car? What happened? Where'd he go? You know, anybody remember that? I do. It's, I'm not living in an alternate world. I remember this person, and he just disappeared. Um, is this kind of the same thing? I mean, they, they don't want this out because maybe we got to rely on fossil fuels. Is there money in politics? Well, uh, the the uh, the uh, it's all about money when you talk to alternate fuels. And if, if you're flying a UFO, you need a lot of energy. You need to move you know, many, many, probably megawatts of power continuously through those coils. And so you have to have a really, really good power source. Uh, and I suspect it's it's some sort of a perpetual motion machine power source or, or something that a uh, technology that I, I don't know much about. I mean, I'm, I know that the Air Force was into searching for anybody that was into superconductor stuff, the Air Force was into it with them. Anybody was was trying to create super efficient power supplies, the Air Force was interested in it. And anybody that was into high magnetics, all the high magnetics lab, the Air Force was their founding father. I mean, they had money invested in all of those people in the you know, high magnetics lab across this country probably in some other countries as well, but certainly in the United States. Well, uh, heck, I can only imagine the Navy was involved too because of the old... Yeah, Manhattan, the Navy's Manhattan got their own program going on. Yeah, they did the Philadelphia experiment. Philadelphia, which, yeah, yeah, I always say Manhattan. What the hell am I Yeah, doing? the Philadelphia experiment yeah. was basically the way to... Uh, that opened the door to Stargates. They learned quite a bit from yeah. the magnetic resonant field technology that opened the first portal. And uh, they've moved on from that technology. They have a much more powerful technology now. Yeah, they tried to hide the ship. What is it, the Eldridge or something? Yeah, the Eldridge. It was going to try yeah. to make it. Yeah, they, they was going to try to make it uh, radar invisible. Instead, what they did is make it totally invisible. And uh, 
and did a lot more than that. They entered another dimension, apparently, yeah. and altered the time by 10 minutes or something. Um, so, yeah, they, they messed with a lot of stuff they didn't really expect to, to mess with. And um, Well, then they didn't even cover their tracks that well. Like I said, there's still stuff that people, researchers, have found. And it's like, well, this thing, you know, there was even a, a picture leaked, you know, that has been verified. Uh, and it's just like, well, what are those on, you know, what are those? Those aren't gun turrets. Well, they're big, giant, you know, probably magnetic, you know, uh, I wouldn't know what to call them, but, you know, generators or something. Uh, yeah, they were magnetic uh, um, coils. Uh, they have a name for it, and I can't think of it right now. Um, what would those be giant magnetic solen No, not solenoids. I can't think of the name. But yeah, there were basically giant electromagnet magnetic coils that were inside the ship, turning on and off, resonating at a certain frequency, and that was supposed to make the radar mess up the radar beam so that they couldn't see them. Right. And I'm sure it did that. <laughs> yeah, it was supposed to reflect. Ref ooh, excuse me, guys, I, because I sometimes I my tongue moves faster. Uh, or my brain moves faster than my tongue can keep up. You know, it um, happens to me all the time. It, it was supposed to re to refract light, right, in order to make it invisible. It was supposed to bend the light. So basically, it's like a you know, it's like stealth, you know, like you see on Star Trek. It's a cloaking device. That's, that's what they were trying to go for, right? Well, they they say UFOs can do it. I've read some reports where right. the UFOs can bend the light around the ship so it becomes invisible. Right. That's a nifty trick. And still, well, that takes a very powerful magnetic field and again uh, there there was i read about a physicist who was wearing polarized lenses was looking at a uh, ufo and he could see polarized bands of light and and we know all the way back to uh michael faraday who did the first experiments oh, yeah. with yeah. magnetism and light that you will polarize the light if you put it through a magnetic field and there's more evidence that again UFOs use very powerful magnetic fields. Again and again, high magnetics is linked to anti-gravity. And, and I want to touch on some crazy questions to throw at you here for a second, speaking of UFOs, and because I just want to see what your thought is, your mindset is on it. Do you think that um, Dark Side of the Moon is discussed quite often, uh, that there's something obviously up there than, other than us? Uh, the same could be said for Mars. Uh, that I think that there's something odd going on there as well. And I remember years ago, uh, Mark, there was some audio leak that was played when Art Bell was still alive and he was still doing the show, uh, Coast to Coast AM, that some audio was leaked uh, that the Air Force had already had uh, a division uh, up on Mars and, and on, on the moon as well, like Marines and Air Force personnel. Do you think there's any validity to any of those those stories, or do you think there's bases up there watching us already? Uh, I think there probably is. Can I prove it? No, because they right. control all the photographs. Correct. Uh, so if we send a satellite up there uh, and circle the moon, either we're going to bury the bases underneath the surface so we can't see them, or they're going to modify the images and you know cut out that part and just paste in you know, just background, uh, you know, normal landscape background. So, and same thing with Mars, since they control the images, 
they can cut out, you know, Photoshop, whatever they want to do. And so we're, we're not going to know. Sometimes you'll find in life truth is much stranger than fiction. Absolutely. And I think this is, this is one of those times yeah. that, you know, if we knew the truth, we would be just absolutely shocked by what they've accomplished because they, they no doubt they have no doubt. I know this for sure because of somebody I talked to who has an eyewitness account that we have UFO technology. So that oh, means we can go to Mars right? and right. we could easily way easier than, you know, if we use a rocket, it takes six or seven months or eight months. Well, if we use a UFO, it's 15 minutes or less. Right. So. And, and I believe what you're saying there, because with some technology, um, I did a show a couple of years ago. We, with, uh, gosh, again, my, I hate my brain doesn't want to work right sometimes. Anyway, uh, we did a show and we were talking about how quickly we went from here, you know, from point A to point Z um, in technology, as opposed to how long, even during World War II or even in the, the, the age of industrial you know, our upcomings uh, here in the world uh, in technologies. It used to take us, you know, so long to come up with so many different things, whether a war was involved or not. But we went from a relatively short time after World War II, like maybe the middle of World War II or after World War II to where we were, where we had beepers and cell phones and the microchip and all these other things. They just, bam, there it is. And, and it's less than 70 years you know, um, right. some of it. And it, I, as, as a young person, I thought, how could that be possible when you look at how the norm was, you know, how, how it used to take us so long to get to these points. And then, you know, people can't see this at home, but I'm holding up my cell phone to talk to the people now there at NASA. They'll tell you that I have enough energy in here that I would have launched the, the moon uh, launch in 1969 yeah you have the, uh, the computing power more way more right. than the the uh, yeah not the energy but yeah the computing right. power, the computer power yeah. so tell me that there's not some influence somewhere i mean come on you know no i i, I think they probably do have that have i seen it myself personally no no uh, do i believe it exists yeah i'm i'm pretty sure it does uh, you know, I'd love to see the moon base or the Martian base or whatever. We we probably are on other planets as well. I mean, we have we to do. colonize another planet because we don't know what could happen here that could go wrong. And we could be wiped out in a matter of hours. Mm -hmm. A giant asteroid, the Earth's core becoming unstable. You know, there's a lot of scenarios where... Or the sun runs out of fuel. Maybe we miscalculated how much fuel the sun has left. Uh, tomorrow, you know, it could start to turn into a red giant, and you know, it's over in a matter oh, of days. Yeah, I remember in school, Mark. Um, I want to say it, fourth grade. I was in fourth grade, and I'm 58. So everybody, do your math. Um, we had visitors there, including an astronaut from NASA, came to our school. And he was talking, they were actually showing us, um, you know, one of the moon, what the, the, the moon buggy, what they were going to use for the moon buggy. And they had a little model and they had, you know, the tires and everything. And then he said, well, I've got bad news. You know, we've put, we've computed that, well, you know, the sun's, the sun's going to die. And everybody, there was a moan that came across, even the adults. We were all like, oh no, you know. And he said, well, it's going to be something, something billion years from now. So we'll all be dead and gone. But, yeah. you know, eventually. And 
you made me think of that. Um, but I would have to say, you know, like with the UFO thing too, just to stay on that for a second, I find it great that all these amateur astrologists who are hooking up cameras and filming and catching these things, leaving the moon, you know, uh, coming across the surface. And they're obviously huge. If, you know, you're to look at uh, how they can measure, you know, size uh, with distance and everything. And it blows my mind. Uh, one of my members himself here in Hartford, Michigan, uh, we handed it over to MUFON. They actually have this footage. It's up on YouTube, folks. Um, if you look up UFO, Hartford, Michigan, you'll be able to find it. Manny Hernandez, one of my members, had a new camera, and he had been seeing things out west of here. And we had a moon out that night, and this object comes down silently and, I mean, just comes out of nowhere and comes down and disappears behind the trees with no noise whatsoever. So I've seen a few things in my day that I can't explain that are very strange. So I'm a believer. I, there's obviously something going on. If it's not us, yeah. there's obviously extraterrestrials for some reason maybe watching the shit show. Excuse, excuse my French, folks, but it's like they'd have to be looking down going, wow, this experiment uh, that we kind of helped out with has really gone left. <laughs> it just seems to not get any better. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, they're uh, still positive in the world. They're still they're still love and joy. It's not all bad. Right, right. Yeah. You got to try to stay positive, especially in these times. There's so much negativity in the news. We have to try to stay positive. And, you know, I got to work toward what I'm doing, not give up, push forward, want to bring anti-gravity technology into this world. So change what's normal. I mean, there's great benefits to humanity to have anti-gravity. We need and it, yeah. That, that kind of propulsion technology. I mean, you could build a supercar. I talk about it in my book. Imagine being able to wake up in the morning, uh, scoot over to France and Paris, have breakfast in, in Paris at you know 9 a.m., mosey around with sports for a little bit and then say, hey, I want to have lunch in Rome. And then within five or 10 minutes, you're in Rome having lunch. And then, well, I think I'll go back and have a little mid-afternoon nap and be back at home at 3 p.m. or something. And then all of that uh, with, with with complete ease. And uh, we're going to Tahiti in 10 minutes. Uh, it takes like, I don't know, 24 hours to do it right. now. Straight right. plane flight nonstop uh, it's um <laughs> that's not convenient i'm talking about a whole nother order of convenience and freedom right. Right. You can have uh, ambulances that that can go directly to a house don't oh, yeah. have to go like, through traffic you know save lives so you'd be in a house in less than a minute versus the five or ten that it would take to go through stoplights and traffic and everything to get to a house it's going to save a lot of lives this well, is a whole new world we're talking about with the autonomous cars that we're going to have. We bolt that technology into the supercar and uh, you could make trips to anywhere you want in the world and be there in a matter of minutes. It's uh, I'm talking a, a whole nother level of a, a possible utopian society right. and get our act together in other areas. Yeah, because when we were kids, we were told, hey, we, by the time we get to the year 1999 or 2000, we're going to have those cars. I ain't seen one of them yet. But there are still two cautionary things to that, folks. Because, you know, I always got to put humor in here. First of all, don't go, don't just go 88 miles an hour because you know what happens <laughs> there, right? 
<laughs> we don't want another Marty and Doc Brown thing going on. Don't don't hide your face, Elmer. It's funny. You know it's funny. Um, the second thing is, even though we invent those cars, Mark, they're still going to be crappy drivers. You know, they're still going to be the oh, no, no, you one can't. guy. <laughs> it, I wouldn't advise driving a car that's going 20,000 miles an hour over no. skimming the surface with somebody just steering. You know, just yeah. one little twick, tweak of the steering wheel and you're – you're oh, miles yeah. off course, you know, heading at something <laughs> <laughs> very fast. Yeah, you're looking at Pluto. Like, you gotta, um, you gotta have radar. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta have radar. You have to have the whole GPS system. Oh, yeah. There's gonna be a lot of computer stuff going on to keep that car safe and not colliding into somebody else. Uh, the I days of people yeah. driving, hopefully, are gonna be over because there's people. They're not good drivers. No. <laughs> I mean, look no. at the accident no. rate. <laughs> they're yeah, they're not safe. Time, you know. Even no. when they're trying, they're not safe. You got half of the people out there steering the car while in one hand and, and looking at the cell phone in the other hand. Yeah. Yeah. This is not good driving habits. Nope. This and, is going to lead to accidents. You bet. And we're already making those, folks. You know, if you don't believe me, get on the old interwebs and the YouTubes there, and you can see some of these. I know Mercedes has designed several uh, delivery trucks that have gone through successful uh, training modes. I think they did some in Canada and maybe one in California. That this delivery truck, the guy's sitting in there, he's there just in case, but it's driving itself. They had a pilot vehicle front and back to monitor absolutely programmed knew when to slow down how to it was just amazing to watch some of this footage and then the guy's sleeping in the middle of the night while this thing's driving and i couldn't do that because my whole wheels are going thinking something's gonna go wrong you know and but it happened and they've already got a few cars that they've tested i mean if you don't yeah. believe me look at all the technology in the tesla holy cow it's insane Mm -hmm. I mean, they have a monitor in there. Uh, there's a couple of guys who are paranormal people. They own one or two of these, and they'll go to haunted places. And that thing has a has a device on it. I don't I, a thermal infrared camera system. You probably know what it's wow. called, Mark. Where it, they can identify like a person, and there's nobody out there, but yet they're seeing a person walking around. And there's nobody out there, so it wow. they're already doing things. I just wish it would mm -hmm. like you. I just wish we could. People would listen to you. We get these things done, and we could we could move along. We could come along with a lot of different things to benefit mankind. I mean, I know we have it better now than we ever have had it in our lives, despite all the insane people telling us otherwise, folks. Not to get political, but right. we could. There's so many good things you can do with this. You're right. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a new normal someday, and then you know, once we break the light speed barrier, you know, and we have ships that are built not by just the government but by other nations and our private industry general motors or whoever is going to take this on when it comes about uh you know there'll be we'll make contact with other aliens and we'll you know they'll be on the tonight show and <laughs> you know there's it's, it's going to be a whole different norm you have to realize 150 years ago the skies were clear there was no such thing as an airplane Yep. And nobody even imagined there would be. Yep. And that was what was normal. Now the sky is filled with airplanes and cars and all kinds of other devices that we had no idea about and was seemed incredible to us just a hundred years ago. And and, and what it's gonna happen again. 
Right. And what we're doing right now, folks, can you imagine the bounds, the leaps and bounds of communication along on the top of that technology with this right here? I mean, look what we're doing right now. Same thing. People would laugh at this many years ago. In fact, they did. There were a lot of people who were ahead of their time who thought, hey, there's going to be a point someday where I'm going to be able to talk to you right now at the same time across the ocean and people like, yeah, we're going to put you in the insane asylum because that's never going to happen. Um, same with radio. You know, you had a lot of people who just like, that's never going to happen. People didn't want to listen to Tesla and believe what Tesla was putting out there. You know, so as I said, it's just, I, I hope that you continue to get your message out. You keep banging away at this, uh, do more of these podcasts. I'm sure, you know, many of them yeah. structured better than this one, but we still appreciate you being here. And oh, you, you I appreciate us. this. Yeah, I, I appreciate this. Well, the message I would give uh, in the last chapter of my book, look, you want to make all this happen? I'm going to tell you how. You need to prove that magnetism affects gravity, it cancels it, and you can use it for anti-gravity. So I says, I gave them some simple experiments to do, just a guideline. Uh, they could take it from there. People who are not in the government <laughs> are going to have to do the experiments and do it worldwide, do it right. as many people as possible. Prove it's, it's going to happen. You just got to get off your butts and prove that magnetism can be used to shield gravity and create anti-gravity and propulsion. Once we do this, then it breaks loose. Then it's going to be hard for the you know government to manage the cover-ups. At first, there's been a couple of people that has discovered it. They've been you know quieted, you know, hired by the government, paid off by the government. Uh, Ning Lee and and uh, Eugene Poklinoff comes to yep. mind. Uh, you know, if you know about these guys, they kind of yeah. stumbled over that magnetism affects uh, gravity and they tried to, you know, make some announcements, but then all of a sudden they just went away and yeah. they're all fine. They're, nobody's hurt them or anything, but they are, they have they've been, they've been quiet. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. <laughs> and they don't talk about it anymore. Yeah. But on the opposite end, you know, you look at some of the UFO people um, over the years who, there's been terrible tragedy and then, you know, you find out, well, that's not really a suicide, you know? Oh, um, so Jessup said, and, and, uh, yeah. And Phil and uh, quite a few people, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's, it's staggering. It's staggering that that takes place too. But as I said, without getting too negative, I have an, one last question for you. Cause I'd love to hear your point of view on this because obviously you're working in the field. Ah, see what I did there. Anybody? Okay. Um, that was a really bad joke. I was reaching. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. I got you. There's been discussion and I've noticed it myself about our poles shifting and changing uh -oh. that we're on a cycle. Now, do you believe this is a real thing or if it is, what should we expect? Uh, boy, you really hit on a sensitive subject. Um, uh, -oh. uh, I have been doing some research on my own. Okay. Uh, and it, that research about the Earth and the Earth's core was created because of my theory, my cosmology theory. So uh, basically, I have a new theory for star formation. Right. I was going to ask you about that. Well, let's, let's well that leads into the Earth's core. Yeah. yeah. That leads into Earth's core. So what I discovered, and it's quite a long discussion. I'm going to cut off all the neutron topics and all that. 
and basically tell you that there was a big bang. The big bang uh, was a black hole, a giant black hole that was composed entirely of neutronium, which is basically just neutron material, nothing else. But you can pack. I got, a, I got a neutron wand right there. <laughs> I'm just. Well, I'm, I'm telling you, if, it, if you did, it would fall through the floor and right to the center of the earth because right, it'd be very right. heavy. Right. And um, this material came out at the Big Bang. It was neutron gas, plasma, and neutron spheres, what we would today call neutron stars, various sizes from anywhere the size of a, maybe a golf ball all the way up to, you know, several stellar masses in size and greater. Uh and these things shot out, and these were the seeds of the universe. So the neutron gas rapidly, within 15 minutes, turns into hydrogen. That's what happens when you isolate a neutron uh, away from anything else. It will decay. The proton won't, but the neutron will. Right. figured there was a reason for it. It was an intelligent design, and I finally found the reason. Because at the Big Bang, there was nothing but neutrons out there in a plasma form. And they needed to convert to protons so that we could have a proton is nothing but a proton. Uh, hydrogen is nothing but a proton and an electron. And that's exactly what a neutron decays into. How perfect. Right. Sounds like an intelligent design to me. Exactly. And so we have all the hydrogen gas we need to make stars. So we're going right. to get to the Earth. We're going to shortcut the whole explanation. All these things went out into space. They gathered the neutron spheres, gathered hydrogen gas, compacted it in the, within the atmosphere around these, ro these rapidly rotating devices, which gathered the gas to the point where a fusion started. And so the atmosphere around these neutron cores ignited in fusion process, and now we have stars and galaxies. And it's all from the neutronium that came from the Big Bang. So now we have an explanation that makes more sense than the typical astrophysicist explanation that says somehow hydrogen gas just collects and a star starts and they damn well know that hydrogen repulsive electromagnetic force is orders of magnitude stronger than gravity so without a gravitational source to pull them together there is no way hydrogen just floating out in the low density space is going to compile and compress into a into star. Anything. Yeah, into anything, right. It had to have a neutronium source, a heavy, strong gravitational source. Right. They call it, the, the aliens call it the sun source. Okay. Now we're going to get back to Earth. Okay. Odds are planets are formed the same way. Uh, and, and we've seen now lately, some of the astronomers are seeing what they call brown Brown stars, or there's another word for it. Um, uh, basically, they're ultra small, planet-sized, you know, like Jupiter-sized, uh, Uranus-sized, uh, Saturn-sized planets out there that are burning hot. And they're in the formative stage, so they've collected their own hydrogen, and surrounding a smaller, much smaller neutronium core, which is still strong enough to cause fusion. And you need fusion to make all the elements. And guess what? Earth has all the elements. Where did they come from? They just fall from meteors? And we, magic, we magically have uranium and, and oxygen and, and silicon yeah. and yeah. 
all these yeah. other things. I said, it didn't collect from random meteors. You know, where did they get that stuff from? No, we manufactured everything, including the water, right here at the core. And unfortunately, our core seems to be a bit unstable. How do I know this? Because we got a very active plate tectonics, which basically means the entire crust is floating on a, a large magma core. And, uh, and in the center of that core is probably a wrap. This is radical theory here. A rapidly spinning neutronium core that's the uh, cause of the uh, fusion of the hydrogen and the other basic elements. You get hydrogen, then you get oxygen, you get carbon. You build them all down there. They eventually merge. That core burns hotter. And if we don't watch out, it could uh, be very troublesome. And, you know, a lot of volcanoes going off, a lot of mountain building, and the magnetic... Um, you know, because there's the magma swirling around because of the neutron spinning. There's a frame dragging effect, gravitationally speaking, yeah, which, causes yeah. the magma to move. Right. Ionized particles rotating creates a magnetic field. So you have the Earth's magnetic field. And at some point, if there's some sort of precession going on, it'll flip. Yeah. So the stuff in the core is flipping. Yeah. <laughs> and if that happens, you're going to get some very odd effects uh, globally. Yep. Probably a lot of earthquakes, maybe some more mountain building, lots of volcanoes, a lot of troublesome stuff. Yeah, yeah. Possibly. I don't know. I'm no right. geologist, but I yeah. just, you know, and my theory is radical. I mean, they would have to determine for sure that there's a solid neutronium core rapidly spinning inside the earth but well pretty sure there is you, you definitely answered something that i've asked you know i ponder it constantly and that's you know the the spheres and i've often wondered as i look out it's like why is everything spherical everything that we deal with out here in this universe galaxy that we can see it appears to be round it's a sphere uh, even in even in paranormal, we have energy at times that which isn't you know dust, bugs, and moisture. There seems to be something going on, and it's spherical, it's spherical, and it's in its energy output. And I've told everybody, I said, well, you, you, if you can't connect the dots from that, then you're obviously not seeing the playbook. You know, uh, there's there's something in the grand design again is where I'm reaching with this is that everything is a sphere. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, and I, I just, I just wonder at that. And so it's not by accident guys. Cause I, it's, I don't know. You explained it better. It's just, it's not by accident. The realization I used to get into debate with the gentleman who he was a little out there and his, his religious point of view on this. And he's like, well, we're not as old as we people tell us. And it's not this, it's not that. And I used to say, well, that's, you know, I believe in God too, but I don't think that you're, I don't think your guys' belief is, is anything rated on anything that I could put to use as far as what we've backed up with some usable science. And uh, we used to get into some very good debates. We, we, we were always friendly about it. But to tell me that the Earth wasn't as old as it was because they had a different point of view and uh, some other things. But I don't want to get too far out there. Yeah, the age of the Earth, you know, you could quibble a billion years this constantly, way. Constantly, constantly. Yeah, with yeah. I don't know exact age, but uh, I know it's old, and I know it takes time to do what 
has to be done in order for their a crust to form. Yeah, yeah. And of course, in the blink of the eye to the mass, you know, the things that are happening, it's probably a blink. But linear to us, it takes, you know, millions and billions oh, of years, yeah. you know, yeah. which I love that too. You know, I love that whole discussion of linear time uh, just in the aspect of, you know, we constantly view our perceptions linear, you know, in, in the way that we look at stuff. And I'm always telling people with what I deal with, I think we get that wrong too. <laughs> I think that's something that we interpreted and invented for our own perspective. Uh, you know, obviously we need to tell, you know, rotation and time of day. I'm not saying it's not important, but I, I think it fools us in a lot of, lot of respects too, when we're, when we're looking to sort things out, but uh, yeah, you, you are a wonderful man. You are, you, I don't know how you keep you. all that information in your head. And there's more because I've I not even touched on the stuff that. Oh, I've there's a lot about. more. Oh boy! Well, I know you have so much more, um, but I want to thank you for being here with us. And and if you'll come back again, sure. Um, and uh, we'll touch on more things we didn't get onto. But we could talk uh, about time. I love to talk about time. I I can go a half an hour or more on that alone. There's uh, a whole theory behind that. I'm a big believer in that. Um, regardless. Yeah. And I read as much as I can get my hands on, you know, again, as a layman that I can kind of stay with and, and understand because I am terrible with math, Mark. I got to admit to you, I'm horrible with math. It's something to do with my dyslexia, but um, I'm horrible with it. But I do still have a very good fundamental understanding of how it all works, though. So I get in. I scored high in my ASVAB test military for like engineering and science and things. But if I came down to do a math test, I would fail all day long but well, I you know at, I, I look at things and figure them out you know isn't that weird i struggle with math all the way up until the calculator came into because i was always <laughs> making i always make stupid mistakes and you know God, get the wrong answer do everything right and get the wrong answer <laughs> <laughs> my my aunt was uh she's passed away now she was one of the designers on some of those early calculators. I never knew that for years until wow. a few years back. She's like, yeah, I worked at Texas Instruments and helped us. I love Texas Instruments calculators. Oh. Yeah, and I said, I remember those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Well, well, <coughs> well, it's been wonderful to have you on, Mark, and, and I hope we, we remain friends. Um, yes. Tell everybody uh, where they can find you, find all your information. And I'm going to extend this invite to you. I'm going to give this to you. Uh, if you go under www.themichigan69podcast.com, that's our network, um, you can email me through there or I can give you mine off off air. Um, yeah, just like to send it to me. Just yeah. send it to me through the Facebook thingy. For sure. And and I would like you to uh, send over anything you want that you'd, you would like to advertise on our network. If you want your own page and you would like to Ooh, put things up on our network, um, I I want people oh. like you. This is why we're designing this network. So I can build a page okay. and I can show you how to do things or you can send me things and we can talk and we can design that page and you can put up video and audio, anything you want. I want you to get your message out, Mark. I'm here okay. Uh, tell everybody where Sounds they can great. find you. Uh, well, uh, my website is www.super-relativity.com. And on the front page, you'll, I have a fact, a synoptic fact. You could download. It's got questions and answers about theory, super relativity, and the Masters of Reality book. 
I got some links to videos, and you can also you can order my book there, a signed copy, and you can get the copy at Amazon, either a Kindle or you know a paperback from Amazon. And the links to that are also on that front page. Very convenient and easy for you to get to. Uh, and I have a blog there with many interesting entries, some of which we've discussed tonight, some not. So there's interesting stuff in the blog, and I have a section where I got a lot of videos. I'd like to put this one over there as well when you when you complete it. Absolutely. And um, that's where I'm at right now, www.super-relativity.com. Oh, man. And uh, I, I appreciate you being with us. And uh, as always, folks, uh, you've been listening to the I Want to Believe radio show. Uh, Elmer had to cut off early there. It's time for dinner. Um, Aramal is usually pretty quiet. He might throw something in there on occasion. Well, I was, I was, well, I was hoping he'd say something or ask a question. Yeah. I like it when you have multiple hosts on. Yep, and and I think he was kind of probably focusing on the driving more. Than yeah, he has a long but, drive, by the he way. He does. He does. <laughs> yeah, he does a lot of work out there. Um, but you've been listening to us uh, right here on Unrestricted Radio. Please hear me. Do yourself a favor. I know that maybe you've come over and you're tuned in now. But do you have the app? Download the app. It's free. You can listen to rock and roll, punk rock, classic rock. You got Monica Lee, Sex Talk with Monica Lee on Saturdays. Uh, I come on after her with the Big Dog Show. That's completely different from this. That's where I have taken the man show and brought it to radio. But in one respect is that even though I talk about loving women, you better respect them. And I was brought up by a woman. That's my number one message. We have a lot of fun talking about being an American, uh, you know, boobs, beer, and just having a good time with life and being a good person. Uh, just because I mentioned some things that are off color there does not mean that I'm not a godly person because I am. I am a man of God. I am pro-life, pro-America. And, uh, you know, that's where I fall on that show. And plus, I throw in music from, I, I want to say my generation, but my music taste folks are from one end of the spectrum to the other. Just come on over and check out the show. You might hear Benny Goodman. You might hear Jimmy, you know, Dorsey. This, I love big bands. That's my number one favorite. Yes. And um, <laughs> then you may hear something on the end of the spectrum that might be close to rap. I'm not a big rap fan, but I'll play some stuff up there and have some fun. Uh, also on Sunday nights, of course, this show, uh, 69 Podcast Network and HendersonCastle.com and GunBarrelCoffee.com. Uh, go check the guys out. Uh, that is run by veterans. The coffee is roasted by veterans. Proceeds from the sales of Gun Barrel Coffee go to help veterans administrations. And if uh, any of you watch the video here, uh, when I edit this, you'll see that I am wearing Till Valhalla dog tag. Uh, I also have the arm wristband which says 22 a day. Unfortunately, we are losing 22 veterans a day uh, for various yeah. reasons, uh, some of it mainly being due to suicide. Uh, buy yourself a shirt. Get involved. That money goes a long way to help uh, the surviving families uh, of that situation or to help with counseling. And also they create plaques to memorialize their veteran, uh, you know, through that organization. Uh, and it's given to families and they help the families and children. So, I want to thank Mark, you again, for being here with us and everybody listening thank to you. me be long-winded. I always appreciate that. And you will find us again here uh, next time on the I Want to Believe radio show. So for Bob Penny, 
who couldn't be here, and of course, Elmer Bosser, who had to get up early. I'm Dan Holroyd, and uh, you know what? Keep your eye on the skies, and happy haunting. <laughs>